before we even kick off the podcast, I just want to remind everyone to go like, subscribe, and keep up with these weekly episodes. If you like what you hear, spread the word so more coaches can tune in for our weekly podcasts. Hey guys, I've got with me today Coach Dom Guglielmo. Coach Guglielmo uh, got his start at Glen Falls High School and then played college ball at SUNY Brockport in New York. Uh, when he graduated from college, he went right into college football and got uh, got his coaching start at College of St. Scholastica in Minnesota, then spent time at Heidelberg University before helping to start the program at Keystone College, where he was the offensive line coach, recruiting coordinator, and strength coordinator. Uh, he then transitioned back to high school, where he was an assistant coach and I believe assistant principal at Yuma Catholic uh, in Yuma, Arizona. And now he is most recently the head coach offensive coordinator at Carruthers High School in Missouri um coach what's going on man glad to have you hey coach thanks for uh getting me on things are going great here i mean shoot it's uh it's the last week of january and it's 51 degrees so i really can't complain <laughs> well it's not it's not quite living in yuma i'm sure yuma it's probably 100 degrees out there but but it's still uh <laughs> that's better than that's better than here we're we're we got snow and, and ice so uh, i'd take that yeah, the Yuma Heat's a whole different beast. Those uh, those kids are built uh, a little different out there. Yeah, no joke, no joke. Um, well, first question, Coach, and, and, and you know, we can start this right off the bat. Talk to me a little bit about how the offensive line um, played a part in some of the better, you know, the better teams you've been a part of. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. And naturally, there's two O-line guys talking about O-line, and a bunch of O-line guys are going to listen to this, and – um, the offensive line is the linchpin of success in any program. Um, it's, I mean, I played a line. Um, I think when we were at Heidelberg or when I was at Heidelberg, we went seven and three and that offensive line paved the way for tailback. That was an all American. And I think without that, our offense would have been one dimensional and we get to when I was at Uma Catholic and when I got there, we had one returning starter, and we had to convert a bunch of guys to O-line, which would scare most people, but those kids embraced it, and we were able to keep the quarterback up, and over and over and over again throughout my career, I've seen that if you can find a way to put your offensive lineman the best chance to be successful with scheme and timing and snap count, um, your team's just going to be flat out better. I mean, you could right. have – Tom Brady but if Tom Brady's on his butt the entire time he's no much he's not much better than anybody else right yeah no joke I mean that's I mean the only I guess I guess you can you can argue a bit uh this is one of the few instances this this postseason because you look at the the Bengals um and they're having a hard time keeping Burrow upright but they're they're winning they're having some success so that's kind of the one of the really rare instances where where they're the team is, is is being you know obviously top tier team and their offensive line probably below average i think you know what and what i'll say is those guys are finding a way to make it work when it matters right and they're outmatched every week i mean the titans and i'm a titans fan we sacked them like nine times and they right. still found a way to put <laughs> be i was so mad but right. they found a way to stay clutch in a situation where we thought the game was going to be over because we had Joe Burrow down, but those guys buckled up and buckled down and found a way to get it done. Right. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. But 
it's uh it's it's always it's always interesting kind of just watching those games it's it's my focus always goes go especially kind of with with the Bengals because I know their O-line's again like I said below average um and it's going to be there's going to be a lot of eyes on them in the Super Bowl for sure so it'll be interesting um yeah I agree so you know what the first thing that kind of jumps out about me about me about you um and and your bio is is the the Keystone College work and that's kind of where you and I sort of became Twitter friends I think when you were at Keystone um talk to me a bit about starting that program though and 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 kind of how that went um as as you know obviously as the offense line coach but also as the recruiting coordinator uh talk to me about just kind of the struggles you guys had at Keystone and kind of how you guys set about building that program from the ground up um well first I I just want to say that was a if I never did that job, I wouldn't be where I am now. Um, it, when you start a program, you have to have really organized and I say thoughtful, thoughtful as in thinks of every situation, not thoughtful as in like thankful, but right. Justin Higgins is a head football coach there. And I'm telling you one thing, I don't know where else he interviewed, but anybody who didn't hire him as a head coach made a mistake. That guy has, he has a contingency plan for a contingency plan for a contingency plan. He's able to relate to a bunch of different people. So in the a priority aspect of that, like he was the perfect guy to work for in that regard. It was so recruiting struggles. You're the new kid on the block and you spent some time at Lake Forest. And so you understand that division three recruiting is a bear and it's a bear because of a bunch of different things. It's A, you've got coaches talking bad about D3, parents talking bad about D3, kids being ignorant about what D3 is. Then you're the new kid on the block. So you have to convince those kids to want to not go to a program that's a 10-win-a-year program or an 8-win-a-year program, but to jump on and make that happen here. Right. And to do that, you have to understand how kids think and where if we're recruiting a kid, we're like, look, we're only bringing in this many kids this year. And we stuck to that, like hard line stuck to our number because we wanted the kids to have an experience. And we were very, very, very honest in the recruiting process, mm-hmm. which hurt us sometimes, but it helped us have a, team GPA of a 3.34 or whatever in our first semester having a football team. Right. So you have to overcome all that. Like we, our first helmet that we had in our program was a shut helmet and we didn't even wear shuts. We wore speed flexes. Right. <laughs> right. Like when I got hired, he goes, I remember looking at the paper and he goes football office. I got there and it's a house with like one computer and two t-shirts and two hats. And we had to create all of that from the ground up and, make our recruiting philosophy and change our recruiting methods on the fly to find out what worked for us and all of that. And I think because we were so honest in the recruiting process and we had the community support and the school support and Keystone's a beautiful place. It's got two streams running through campus and hills and mountains. It's beautiful. It all kind of really helped. But then what do we prioritize our recruiting on? Offensive line. Right. So any really good linemen were like, look, we need the offensive line to be successful. So right. we took every good offense, every good big guy we had, and we're like, 
you want to play O-line? And they're like, yep. I was like, sweet. Well, and we built up the O-line, and then everything else fall after that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what – what. so when you guys got there, what was – did you guys play – I mean, was it something like, you know, hey, we're going to start the program in, in 2018 and not play a game until 2020? You know what I mean? Like, was there was there a time off, or was it pretty much kind of get – get in with 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 both feet and 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 get going so fall 2018 was i think it was 2018 the years just blend together right now i know um year one there that we didn't play that fall which internally killed coach higgins and i all fall right um that was the building year and i think that was the best thing we could have done and the time i got hired it was already may so you can't put together a recruiting class in May. Right. <laughs> right. Because what do you really get? Like you're going to find the, the gems out there, but you're not going to be able to fill your roster in that amount of time. So right. we didn't rush. We found the right guys. We found the right coaches and Don Davis, the offense coordinator there. He's a great friend of mine. I love him. He's a heck of a, or offensive coordinator. Um, so that was our building year. So we recruited, like we were on the road. We had visits, a ton of them. Um, and then the next year we played what he called our sub varsity year. I personally called our acclimation year. Sure. And we ended up going three and four, which was a great year. In my opinion, we played a couple teams that gave us the thumping. We can't book uh played a couple teams that we were able to get the w and we played one team where we had to go to the last second field goal to win and right. i think that was a perfect year and then COVID hit right <laughs> yeah which jacked everything up for everybody and especially that young program so when they took the field this fall when i transitioned to high school it was cool to see all those kids that you recruited that stuck it out out there being all conference and academic all Americans and stuff like that. It just shows that, you know, we kind of did it the right way. there. Right. No, that's awesome. It's, it's, I mean, it's COVID threw COVID. Such a, 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 a linchpin in everybody's, um, you know, work. So that, that's awesome that they had the success and, and you were able to still kind of, you know, watch from afar. Um, you know, that kind of brings me to the next question is, is kind of how, how was that transition obviously um, for you going from spending so much time and at the, at the college level to uh, you know, out to, and I mean, shoot, you transferred, you went from, from the East coast all the way out to Yuma too, you know, how was that transition and, and uh, you know, what struggles, what, what, what kind of, you know, what did you have to deal with in that, in that move? Um, first it, the distance part, that was crazy. I've never moved that far. I mean, I coached in Minnesota, but that was about 38 hours of traveling with right. two big dogs. Um, so the drive itself, I mean, it was cool for me because I've, I'm a military kid. I've lived all over the country, but traveling through like the Navajo land and seeing, um, the Colt stadium and all those are cool things on the way. I kind of turned into like a mini vacation. Right. Um, and I ended up just happy to find that. Cause at the end of the year, I knew I wanted to transition to high school. Okay. Um, so that was actually the perfect opportunity for me. It was an assistant athletic director and oh, offensive line coach job. I think I said principal, but I knew it was some, I knew there was some sort of administration role you had. 
yeah, it was it was a fun job. Yeah. I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> but when I got there, first the culture was very different on the West Coast than it was on the East Coast. Um, and as you well know, college coaching and high school coaching are very different in a lot of ways, yeah. but very similar in a lot of ways. But the differences are more glaring than the similarities, if that makes sense. I mean, you go from coaching men, like men, these right. guys shoot some of them have kids to young men, boys, it kind of changes your approach. Like, I'm a very intense guy, right? Um, I had to learn how to dial that back a little bit, <laughs> right? Um, like, I'm a loud, boisterous, six foot four, 300 and a lot pound guy, and <laughs> um. You had to learn how to tone that back, but you also had to learn how to coach in a different way. And I think um, transitioning to the high school level made me a better coach because, you know, when you're talking in football 500 all the time, you sometimes forget that some of the kids you're coaching at the college level don't aren't football 500 kids. They're football 100 kids. Right. So it really taught me how to coach at a bare bone level of – what is the technique? What do they need to know? What do they need to know to be successful? And how do I portray that in a way that a young man can understand? Right. And thankfully, I got there when I did because we had spring football. Um, I was able to hone in how I was going to teach inside zone and power and counter and five-man protection and six-man protection in a way that younger kids can understand, but I can still get a similar result that I would as a college coach. Right. So I think the biggest culture shock, again, was A, the area because, boy – I yeah, don't know oh, how yeah. there's big. I don't know how there's big people out there. This is like 120 degrees in the summer. <laughs> I'm at these seven on seven, sweating through my shirt. I'm like, oh, this sucks. But, um, learning how to coach with a different voice, I think, is very instrumental in becoming a better football coach. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, that's you hit the nail 100 on the head. It's it's you have to. You know, you can't, we, we as coaches understand you can't talk to each kid the same anyways. And now you really have to kind of hone it back a little bit and, and, and realize that you're, you know, while we've spent, like you said, we've spent the last X number of years talking to, you know, 18 to 22 year olds. Now we're talking to 13 to 18 year olds and it's got to, it's got to change it that, you know, a, a little bit. So that, that's a, that's a big, a big piece to it that some guys don't realize and some guys forget. So. Um, you know, you, you went, you just took the job in, in Crothersville, um, was you were, you were, you were telling me off the air a little bit that it was, it was such a quick, a quick transition and, and kind of a quick go. Was that something that you'd been looking for, or was that something that sort of came up, um, you know, just kind of organically, um, and, and just talk to me kind of a bit about how that transition has been now. Um, so, you know, like some coaches don't want to become head coaches. That has always been my goal. Um, so that was very, becoming a head coach was very important to me. And as I did the years in college football and my year at UMA Catholic, I was like, you know what? As soon as the state championship ended, I told myself, I'm going to apply for a couple of head coaching jobs. Not every single one. I see just a couple. And, um, so we ended up making it to the state final game and um, came up a little short, but it was still a great season. The kids worked their tails off. Um, and this email, I've sent an alert on my email or 
with a job board alert me when there's a head coach opening. And I knew I wanted to get back closer to my family, naturally. Um, I grew, I spent a good portion of my younger life in Paducah, Kentucky, um, where my dad was a Navy recruiter. Um, So I looked in kind of that, that band of the South into not quite the Northeast because I don't really like snow very much. So kind of stopped right when the country where it stopped snowing. And um, this job popped up and I thought it was a really interesting job because it's a historically really good program. I mean, some of the past coaches have done such great things here. And um, my dad even knew about the job and he goes, well, Dominic has a big football job. Like that town loves their football. So Right after the state championship, I applied and I went through the interview process and then boom, um, I always joke around. I tricked the board or I tricked the uh, hiring committee into hiring me and all of a sudden I'm flying back to New York for uh, Christmas break and then I'm starting on January 3rd. Right. So I'm like, shoot. So I fly out here for the interview, fortunate enough to get the job, fired up, set the job, board confirmed once i get confirmed by the board the next day i'm flying i'm flying to new york for a week and a half and then i come back and i've got like four days to pack right um so i buy a car top carrier i cram as much as i can of the car top carrier which is still not packed in my um living room right now um, <laughs> throw my big dogs in the car and we're like all right let's take this uh, 24-hour trip out and so i get here january 3rd and this is my first time really teaching Right. Um, and I'll say God bless teachers because now I understand what they go through. Oh, yeah. What um, are you what are you teaching? If you don't mind me asking. I'm a PE teacher, so okay. I have the greatest teaching job in the world because um, yeah. this week I played kickball with the guys or with the kids. So <laughs> and today I played Frisbee. So, yes, you're teaching them. But being a PE teacher, you can kind of like get in there. Oh, yeah. Even though the kids talk trash to me because I suck at things and they're like, oh, Coach G, you suck at this. I'm like, thanks, guys way to not hit the encouragement part of the lesson but right yeah appreciate exactly. you guys um and then i got thrusted into a community that cares about football so it's like this place is we've got a almost a ten thousand square foot indoor facility with a weight room and coaches offices and locker rooms and a training room but it's beautiful in there and um got to hire a defensive coordinator mark jackson who has been coaching for 20 something years and he's been a great mentor and he's going to be a heck of addition to our staff and I had to hire an online coach, which was different for me. Right. And, um, just being engulfed in this community was probably the best thing ever because they're like, this place is so supportive. Everybody wants you to succeed. And no matter where you go in town, whether you eat the pizza place or you're at Sonic, someone's like, Oh, I'm so excited for the Crothersville Tigers to come out in 2022. I'm so excited. Blah, blah, blah. And then we started my plan and we started rolling out my plan on how to get everything, everybody involved. And I've been here about a month now and we've got 40 something kids in the weight room every day. And it's just been, it's been amazing. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean, those are, but those are, those are things that I remember, you know, I've, I've had those experiences where you kind of, you know, I've, I've done what you've done a couple of times. Um, you know, the, the, the first time was uh, I can remember packing up my car and, and, January of, of 2014 um, and driving to Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. Uh, and, and that was, you know, that was uh, not quite as far as you, but that was like a still a 15, 15 hour drive. And, and it's, it was the first time for me kind of having my own classroom and, 
and having those experiences. I wasn't the head football coach, but I was the head track coach. And you, you know, you've got to, uh, you've got to hire coaches and you've got to, you know, get rosters set and you've got to get schedules set. And, um, somebody actually, uh, a coaching friend just reached out to me today on Twitter and, and, and said he was going to apply for a head coaching job and he didn't know if he was ready or not. And my response was, no, none of us know if we're ready or not until we start doing it. And, and even when we start doing it, we're still going to make mistakes. We're still going to learn, uh, you know, learn how to do and how not to do certain things. Um, and it's, it's just, that's all part of becoming a head coach for the first time. And it's, you know, the things that, that none of us really pay attention to when we're assistant coaches. Um, and then once we become head coaches, we're like, I really should have paid more attention to that. It's always, it's always kind of, it's always kind of how that works. So, um, that's awesome. I mean, it's your, your, this job for you, the job you just took is very, is it it reminds me of my own coaching path a little bit. So I, I think it's, I think it's pretty cool what, what you're doing. Yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. And you're, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, when I was at Keystone and we're building the program and I'm like, Oh, that's a head coach problem. Well, guess what? Right. <laughs> um, it's your problem now. It's my problem now. And Mark and Mark Jackson, coach Jackson, my defense coordinator, and he's been head coach before. And he looked at me one day and he goes, well, you know what my favorite part about being an assistant is? I was like, what's that? He goes, the fact that I don't have to do all that stuff anymore. Right. Exactly. And I mean, I enjoy it. I think it's fun. Like, figuring out how I'm going to spend the budget and re just making the helmet a little cool and trying to do cool things for the kids and da, da, da. But, um, it's been a lot of me calling guys that have been head coaches or my high school head coach. I mean, like coach, I have this thought and this thought and this thought point me in the right direction. And the biggest piece of advice I got was the choice that you make is going to be the best for your program and roll with it and have faith in it. And if right. it doesn't work out, then you pivot take responsibility and make a new choice. Right. Well, I mean, that's the thing too, that, that you'll get from, from some coaches is, is, you know, when you make a decision, make it a 100% decision, you know what I mean? So that way, you know, that um, the players know that you're bought into it and that you're, you know, that you're sticking with it. So um, that's, that's, you know, well, we, I'm sure at some point you and I can have a conversation about some other things, but you know, that's sort of my, my one piece of advice now is just make, you know, don't, don't go half ass on anything, go whole ass on, on, on everything. You know what I mean? So um, that, that's good. But um, well, coach, last question I've got for you uh, before we get you out of here. Um, if you could put together an offensive line from guys you coached guys you played with or guys you're just uh, a fan of who would be on that five man offensive line? Oh, shoot. Um, I would like a healthy Taylor Luan. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, pre-knee injury. Um, he's got that dirt ball to him that you just can't teach. I mean. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, like, when he was like, I did not open hand smack that guy in the bar. And when he was getting drafted, I was like, I like him. Yeah. Um, give me Jeff Saturday at center, naturally. Okay. Um, that guy if you hear a story, he's just like, Oh, I had to eat this many calories and he had to work his tail off, work his tail off just to be big enough to play. And he played forever and he was a stud. Give me Quentin Nelson at a guard naturally. 
Um, he's a savage. Uh, Joe Thomas set the other tackle. This is a guy, you're an offensive lineman and you've never sat out until he tore his biceps or right. triceps or whatever. <laughs> like, he is a freak. Um, and then I'm going to throw it back to one of the guys I coach. His name is John Nanowitz. Um, I coached him at Keystone. I recruited him. And that kid, when I recruited him out of high school, I'm going to be honest, he wasn't the most academically strong kid in the world. Um, he was a hard-nosed football player. And this kid gets to college, and his first season as a college as a full-time college football player, he was first team all conference. The kids got way above a three, five GPA. Um, he's a stalwart on the offensive line for Keystone. Um, again, first team all conference guy. And he found a way to be work his tail off in school, have a job, be great in the classroom, be great on the football field. And that to me, is one of the most rewarding things to see as a coach, as a guy that I recruited and I coached for two years, um, put it all together and be that. Right. So those are my five. Awesome. It's good five. I like it. I like the the NFL guys, especially. And, and then, you know, get you get the guy that, that you had your own personal experience with. So, so that's good. Um, coach, before we get you out of here, do me a favor, drop your Twitter handle and any other information you want the listeners to know. Um, my Twitter is at coach underscore Guglielmo, G-U-G-L-I-E-L-M-O. Um, really just not, nothing that you need to know about me is just one thing I'll say is clinic, 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 make friends with everybody. Um, you'll make some of your best friends in the coaching world and you'll probably never meet them in person. And if you're fortunate enough to do so, it'll be one of your best friends for life mm -hmm. and, Keep in touch with your football guys because football is a family and whether you're a rival on the field or a rival off the field and your schools might hate each other, but guess what? With the common bond that brings us together is football and football sees no boundaries. It accepts all races, creeds, religions, colors, and everything. And it's one of the greatest things ever to happen to America and Canada and Israel and Europe and everything because football yeah. – is the greatest thing ever, greatest yeah. sport ever, I should say. No, no doubt. I, I agree, I agree, I agree. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on and talking with me. Uh, best of luck uh, this season, this off season, and and you know if you uh, if you need anything, obviously let's uh, let's hook up and chat a little bit about head coaching. Um, and uh, wish you nothing but the best. Thank you, Coach. I really appreciate you having me on. All right, we'll talk soon. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you like and subscribe, and you can find previous episodes on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, or any other podcast platform.